You're listening to WDW Tales, a glimpse of the Central Florida theme parks from a cast member's perspective. WDW Tales, behind the name tag. And now your host, Justin Stone. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to WDW Tales. Where you been? <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, I guess you should be saying, uh, welcome back to me. Uh, and, and you know what? It's been a while. I'm sorry. Uh, there hasn't been much to talk about, not to mention. I've uh, just been doing a lot in life, uh, traveling a lot. I had a baby. I didn't. My wife did. Got into this house, uh, a new house. So things have just been crazy. And then on top of that, a hard drive crashing with three episodes, completely dead. So now I have to re-record them. But sometimes the best stuff comes from the second or third take, uh, as uh, it's happened in the past. And, and I've always found the better content has come from um, the second recording. So I'm sorry, I'm going to try and be more uh, active or proactive in recording more episodes. Um, I know I have a ton of new people who have subscribed. Thank you very much. You're probably like, oh my God, is this guy going to do anymore? Is he done? Whatever. Yes, I'm absolutely going to do more. I have a ton of stories to tell, uh, both Disney, Universal ones, um, so much more to talk about. And, uh, and the response that I've received from you on Twitter has been amazing. I appreciate every single one of you. And uh, thank you for putting up with me and my craziness on the Twitters because uh, that's it's a lot of fun to talk Disney and, and Universal with everybody. So what I want to do tonight is kind of go way, way back to um, a, an episode that I've promised you for it seems like a year now or more uh, about Tapestry of Nations. So Tapestry of Nations was a wildly popular parade at Epcot during the turn of the century in 2000. Um, for those of you who don't know, I was a drummer for the run of the Tapestry of Nations show uh, from opening cast, and uh, I was on the opening cast and uh, had an absolute blast. Now, you guys know I'm a huge Great Movie Ride fan. It's probably one of the best jobs I've ever worked, but uh, looking at Tapestry of Nations as compared to the Great Movie Ride, they're, they're staring down each other uh, almost evenly because it was such an amazing experience. It was a completely, wildly different experience than the great movie ride um, here we were professional musicians professional actors and, and dancers not to say the movie ride folks weren't uh, it was just a different we were considered uh, you know attractions hosts versus uh, versus entertainment and uh, and so it was a little bit different so uh, if you haven't listened to the first part of this episode I highly recommend that you do that. Uh, or not this episode, but, uh, you know, part one of Tapestry of Nations, because it really talks about how I got the gig, uh, what it took uh, to, to actually get to the show, and then just as the uh, the New Year's Eve 1999 was, was here, and I w- hopped on my float in Mexico, I, I believe, and as I was making the turn onto World Showcase Promenade, I stopped the episode, and I left a massive, massive cliffhanger. The, the Who Shot JR of Tapestry of Nations. And, and for those of you who have been waiting, uh, I appreciate your patience. It's been well over a year. And so uh, I'd like to finish that episode tonight and and talk to you more about the performance and, and what happened once we uh, became uh, a united cast that was doing live shows, once the show was completely live. Not to mention, I wanted to share some things that you as a, an audience for the parade 
may have not, um, well, you, you didn't hear the, the music that was playing in my headphones uh, or the drummer's headphones. There's even some rehearsal things I want to share with you uh, that give you a better sense of what the performers were experiencing during the parade and the rehearsal versus uh, the guest. So uh, journey with me now <laughs> to uh, Tapestry of Nations Part 2. So where I want to begin is giving you a little bit of insight into what the performers were listening to. Now, I, I talked about this in the first part of the episode, uh, but each drummer, there were five floats, two drummers afloat, uh, and three parade routes, uh, Mexico, Germany, and uh, Morocco. Wow, I, was, I can, couldn't remember that. So there were 30 drummers a night, and in order for us to make sure that we're playing in, in sequence and we're all playing together, you can't rely on the speakers that are on the promenade. So the speakers that the guests are hearing, that you guys are hearing, where they are lined up, uh, because the way that sound travels, sound's actually very slow, uh, we can't wait to hear the music uh, coming from those speakers because the way that they're spaced out, so they're spaced out every, I don't know, 30 feet or so, I can't recall what they are, but because because sound is slow, if we wait to hear that next set of speakers, we will not match the music that everyone else is playing. It's called phasing, and uh, a really good example of it is if you've ever seen a marching band, a high school marching band performing on the field or a, a DCI, which there's never phasing, but uh, the, I guess the best way to explain it is sometimes the band members performing will listen to each other instead of following the drum major. So the drum major is keeping perfect time and they're directing the bands. So there's usually three drum majors per, you know, on the, on the field. Uh, if, if you start listening to the performers around you, because a football field is so big and there's so many performers, the sound's all hitting you different times. So it, you'll start to hear like almost uh, like the band is dragging or it's like, you know, watching TV where the lips are moving, but the dialogue is half a second behind and it's really uh, annoying. So uh, in order to keep the tapestry drummers in sync, we wore headphones and uh, those headphones were hidden in our helmets uh, and they were earbuds so they essentially drowned out the rest of the sound um, and you could you had a little pack on your belt and that pack was beaming the music to your pack from uh, atop of Mexico so the very top of Mexico is the show control for illuminations and for the parade so that's a there's a computer in there and there's some sound equipment and that's basically broadcasting the music for the performers so just the drummers had uh had earphones and packs the the puppets did not or the sprites did not the sage of time did not so it was very important for us to make sure that we're all staying uh, in sequence because the parade performers are uh, choreographed to the things that we're performing so it's going back to that phasing if they wait to listen to the speakers the performers and we're not on then all of the puppets would not act in unison. And if you were looking at it from, say, the center of the lagoon, you could see that things were off. And we wanted to be as precise as possible when we needed to be. There were times where you could kind of cut loose and, and whatever, but that was very important. So the way that that worked 
was in your the right channel of your headphones or the right the right uh, speaker of your headphones, we wouldn't have any music. We would have a click, and that's called a click track, and it's it's basically used by all professional musicians in recording situations, and that is a set time set to a metronome, a set uh, beat per minute, depending on how the music is written. So we would have in the right uh, side of our headphones the, a click that was constantly uh, clicking in our ear, and on the left channel or the left side of the headphones, the music was playing. So we still had uh, music to play to, so it wasn't just this robotic, like, remember this phrase at this measure, and remember the coda is here, and then, oh yeah, we've cut that, so now this measure is this, and then play the triplet accent on the E, and what, like, we didn't have to do all those things because we had the music, but we also um, had this click, and, and the the music, if you listen to the music, even if you're not a musician, you can tell that there are different time signatures within the music. It starts out very slow, um, then it goes into a uh, very uh, uh, aggressive 4-4 four, four, uh, time signature, and then as we get into the Millennium Walk, it cuts into a waltz or a 3-4. There's actually a 6-8 piece of it. Um, all of these things are pre-programmed into the uh, broadcast device that's broadcasting us. So we know we've memorized the music, all 22 pages of it, and we know how the music's going to go. But then we also have that, uh, that click playing for us so that, uh, we can stay in sync. Uh, we can stay in sync with the drummer across from us, the drummers, uh, in our pod and then the musicians as well. So what I want to do right now is I just want to give you a little bit of a sample of what that sounds like. I'm going to run this for about, I'm going to, I'm going to do the opening from the parade, uh, rehearsal CD, and I'm going to give you a couple pieces of it, uh, across different parts of music. So, uh, little snippets here and there, just so you can get a, a sense of, uh, of what it sounds like. And at first it sounds very annoying, but I, I promise you as a any professional musician, especially in studio settings, um, clicks are clicks are no big deal. In fact, we all sit down when we practice, and we even uh, if it's just us, if like it's just me on the drum set, the studio, I will just put a metronome on for like 120 BPM, and I'll play along to that. No music, just the click, so that I start to set that internal rhythm, and I do that across a lot of different BPMs so that uh, it's really not a big deal for musicians. It's actually very, very helpful. Uh, but it, for those who aren't familiar with it, it, it gets a little bit wonky. So uh, here we go. couple couple quick snip, uh, snips of what a click track at Tapestry Nation sounds like.
Okay, so I let that one go a little bit longer because, A, that's my favorite part of the show, and, uh, and B, you could hear how he went from that uh, halftime triplet to that double time, and that's because that part was of the show was, uh, it was very, not complex, but it was very musical from a percussion standpoint in that we had uh, brushes and we had, we're getting ready to play a, a cowbell lick and then, or we played a cowbell lick and we went to brushes and we played, if you remember the drum, the, the, the clock, the drum clock, um, uh, the Millennium Clock, the, their middle drum was a really big drum. I think it was like a 22-inch frame drum. And we played that actually with our hands. So we kind of played an, uh, an open, um, almost like a, a... I'm getting really kind of deep into drum talk, but there's a thing called a surdo, a surdo, S-U-R-D-O. It's a Brazilian drum. Uh, you usually see them during Carnival. They're, they look like gigantic, almost trash cans. You And they folks wear them on their side, and they tend to kind of use big mallets and play them. They have a really deep tone. Um, but you play those open and closed because of the, the size of the drum and the head and the resonance of it. You've got to kind of choke it with your hand and then let go at the perfect time to get the best tone. So we would do that with our left hand and then play uh, a triplet, a syncopated triplet pattern on the right hand. Oh my gosh, if musicians, you totally get this. But but uh, if you're not, I'm sorry. But it's it was a, it was kind of hung back off the off the click 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 uh and that's because the the syncopation of it is just kind of uh it was you didn't even hear it because it was so quiet but it was just something our our musician in us we all said oh we love this lick because it's very um it's got a very soulful feel to it and it's 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 hanging off the beat in the syncopated pattern. That's not just this sixteenth notes all the time. Da 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 da. You know, it's just very. It's and you just kind of play it and feel kind of really really close to the music. And I know that sounds really crazy, but I would love it because it's just so soulful. And the guy who wrote the percussion piece for this, like, just he just aced that part. So uh, I, I left that a little bit longer. A, it shows the change in, in time to signature to see that we're like we're constantly hearing different beats or different uh, BPMs. But then also, uh, I just love that part. So um, I hope you enjoyed that part. The uh, the click, and I I'd love to hear from you guys. So the click, like. Every time I listen to Tapestry of Nations, like on my, I'm running or like it's on the stereo at home or I'm at work and it comes on, like all I hear ever is just like the, I just like, I cannot not hear the click anymore, but not in a point where I'm just like, oh, this song's ruined. It's just like that. That's just how I know it. Um, almost where I, I, even if I heard this track with the click actually audibly uh, present, that, that doesn't. Uh, I don't hear it, so to speak, because that's just how I know the the song to be that way. So I'd love to hear from you guys. Like, if you're like, oh my gosh, how do you even, how could you even perform to that when you've got that thing just like hitting you in your ear for 30 minutes, uh, actually 60 minutes, twice a night, um, seven days a week for how many, how many weeks? You know, I think I did this for like 60, 70 weeks, uh, even more than that. But it's, 
as a musician, you're just used to clicks. In fact, uh, I used to never play to click tracks. I used to think like I was too good and I realized I'm really not that good and I needed click tracks to stay with the band. So, uh, I hope that you guys got a good, uh, understanding of what we did, um, as performers and the music that we listened to, to get to that, uh, that, that performance to get you guys the best show possible. Um, it certainly is, uh, it's much easier when you've got, when you have to remember so many pages of music and, uh, for the first, I don't know, the first, uh, well, the rehearsal was a whole bunch of different music that was, the parade was way cut down. We cut a ton of music out of it. And so then we have to remember all of that. Um, it's nice to have the click track there to kind of kick you into gear. Not to mention like there are times when you would just like not even think that you were doing the parade, like you'd be in autopilot. You'd just show up and you would put your headphones on, you'd put your your crazy uh, costume on, you'd do the show and you couldn't even remember that you were like, oh my gosh, uh, I'm, in, I'm in Morocco now, I went Germany to Morocco and I'm done uh, with, with the first parade, I don't even remember. Uh, the click's also there to be like, oh yeah, yeah that's right, gotta go to a new... <laughs> Got to go to a new measure. Got to go to a new phrase. Um, it's just nice to kind of keep you there. So that last section is a little bit of a segue into the, the next part I want to talk about, which is, uh, as with any show, as you continue to rehearse and rehearse and do soft performances um, and then go live, there are going to be revisions and uh, changes that happen throughout, um, you know, usually... There's usually kind of a window of when all those things happen. And uh, Tapestry was no different. So when we um, first got the music, we probably had an additional 75 measures of music. And and I would have to say that none of it is really new music. It's a lot of what's called vamping. So it's like the same phrases over and over again to help with the pacing of the parade. So I, my guess, which is about right, is that uh, the producers and the composer, Gavin Greenaway, they probably said, well, let's write more music than we need. And then when we get to the actual parade and the choreography and the staging and spacing of the puppets and the drum wheels and, and all that, then we'll find out how much music we really need and then we'll start to cut back. So that's what um, that's what they did. And there are also some different versions in terms of the narrations that came from the Sage of Time and at the beginning of the show. So our rehearsal CD actually has a couple different versions of the welcome, uh, well, welcome to uh, Tapestry of Nations or welcome to the Millennium Celebration. And then the Sage would get into his thing. And uh, some of it was about like flower ears and, and I don't know what it was. Uh, these the stars align. It's some really weird stuff, and uh, I'll play it for you in a second. I think they actually pulled some of it back for Tapestry of Dreams when that parade took over for Tapestry of Nations. I, I never drummed in Tapestry of Dreams. Uh, I was already, I had left uh, the company by then and had moved away. So I, I think they did. But anyways, uh, here is an excerpt of the one of the welcomes um from the from the voiceover narrator of tapestry of nations that was never used um that i can recall if i i'm gonna play both of them i think i i know one of them was used and the other one wasn't i may be completely wrong it's been 20 years and uh to be honest 
when the narration was going on, that's when we were still kind of hanging backstage. Uh, unless you were on float one, then uh, you didn't really have to be in position yet. So places for everybody else was like after that because we had a good... Mm. Hold on, let me look at the music. We had about we had about 47 measures uh, before we had to get uh, onto our floats or before we had to, to, to at least uh, get out there. So um, I can't recall. I'm going to play both of them for you. And uh, the first one, I believe, was never used and the second one was. But let's see if you remember uh, either one of them. Welcome to Disney's Millennium Celebration, Tapestry of Nations. Our opening ceremony celebrating the human spirit is beginning to appear around the world showcase promenade. Come join us as the Sage of Time brings the Millennium Drummers to life and starts the heartbeat for our journey as we prepare to touch tomorrow today. Good evening. Welcome to Disney's Millennium Celebration, Tapestry of Nations. As our solar system begins its next great revolution around the sun, a magical seed of stardust grows in each of us. It is this special seed, if nourished, that will, with its flowering, unite us all as we hope for a better world. Come join us as the Sage of Time brings the Millennium Drummers to life and the heartbeat begins for our journey as we prepare to touch tomorrow today. Okay, so I honestly don't remember the second one, the one about the seeds and the seed in us. And to be truthful, guys, if that was actually the line... That would have been like the center point of all jokes for the cast. We'd be making seed jokes about everything of like, hey, I got your don't get your seed on my float or don't get the don't don't seed on the sprites or the, <laughs> the disc man. Yeah, that's that's what we did. <laughs> so my guess is um, I'm pretty sure we used the first one. And uh, I should say this is a rehearsal CD. So the um, the narrations, the the stuff that isn't part of like that's locked into the show, stuff like narrations, the opening or closing, those tend to be just anybody doing voiceover just to, uh, for space. So usually it's like the engineer or it's the show director or it's, um, it's, it's somebody just to kind of get it in there for us to like know that that there's going to be dialogue there it's usually not totally artsy done this might be because i think this voiceover actress also did the opening to phantasmic um so that could have actually been used uh but that's the stuff that uh like i I would never hear that because that's literally like what i'm turning on my pack that's and turning up the volume probably just as the the she finishes and like the music starts to get a little ominous and starts to to go uh go into the actual um show piece and then the of course that's when the gates open and the uh sage of time walks out and um drum wheel one would go out and then the gate would close and uh 
and the show would start. So getting into the um, the next piece of, of music that you may have heard, it was actually, I think it was around for about, I don't know, maybe two months of that. There, uh, there used to be, uh, when the Sage of Time went out and Drum Wheel 1 went out, there used to be this huge drum solo that would would basically call the the nations together blah 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 but uh it was actually the like fun part of the show for us because it was just the drummers being spot lighted spot lit being showcased <laughs> um and it was uh, it was neat because it, all the focus was on us and we were about to kick off this huge parade um i always felt like we made the we made the show what we wanted it to be, but it, the puppets and the sprites and the sage like they uh, they had more guest interaction. So I think that they really took over the the spotlight of the show, and then we just kind of as drummers do keep the time, keep the rhythm, and keep things moving. But the opening solo was um, this really neat uh, opportunity for us to to have a little fun and and show off our uh, chops. It's not really it's, it's not that hard. It's, but it was, it was still fun. We did that for about, um, I, th- I think about two months. I did it a bunch of times. And, uh, and then one day, uh, our, our section leaders came in and said, Hey, the, the, uh, the drum solo is gone. Now we're just going to get right into, um, the, like, I want to say it's like section F. I can't remember the music, but it would just get into the, right after the, uh, Sage of Time, we cannot stop, we will not stop, we blah, 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 behold, the great millennium walk, and then it would get into that, uh, Wayla, Wayla, Ayla, like that, it would go right into that, kind of like, oh, okay, fine, whatever, uh, so what I thought would be kind of fun is to replay that, um, for those of you who've never heard the, the drum solo, now, I don't have a drum wheel set up, I don't have, um, I don't have frame drums, um, to recreate the sound of it, but I thought what I would just do is I've got my sticks, I've got uh, a practice pad here, that I would just play the music, uh, just the notes. So it, you'll have to kind of imagine different drums being played during the time, uh, and maybe there's a YouTube video of it. I've never seen anything, but uh, anyways, I thought that'd be kind of fun, and I'm going to do it without the click, so you can just listen to music and then um, listen to me playing along. And this was the opening drum solo for Tapestry of Nations.
So that's the solo. Uh, it's usually better on all the different drums. Uh, it's a lot more intense. It's also uh, kind of difficult to just to play it on a practice pad here. That's uh, you know gum rubber with some BBs in it to make it sound a little bit more dynamic than uh, than what it really is. But uh, that solo was a lot of fun because we got to show off, so to speak, a little bit. Um, for the musicians in the crowd, you can tell it's a lot of 16th notes. It's a lot of accented 16th notes with some syncopation in a couple places here and there. What's missing out of this is um, the more dynamics on the accents. Uh, I can't play super loud. Um, but uh, <clears throat> we're missing that. And then there's also a lot of crossover sticking. There's some left hand, double lefts, uh, here and there we are crossing over drums uh, purposely so you're also turning around and doing some stick flips and some hitting some cymbals some hi-hats that were on the float as well so a lot is lost in the performance and I apologize but for those of you who've never heard the solo before that was the uh, those were the rhythm that was the the written rhythm of the of the uh, the solo that was around for about 45 days and then cut due to time. And also, I think probably it uh, it probably was a little bit slow to get out, um, to get the parade going. I think uh, we had this huge build of uh, the narrator, the Sage of Time, building up into this gigantic, uh, uh, exciting uh, introduction of the parade. And then drum solo so it's always like you go to the concert and the two times you go to get a beer is the drum solo and the bass solo you're like i'm going to get a beer so that's probably why but still i loved it um one other part that i really love tapestry nations is uh the parts i love to play are um, a couple pieces that weren't so much about the 16th notes and just kind of hammering out the rhythm but there were pieces of the music for some reason i just loved these licks. Um, and so I'd love to share those with you and see if you like those pieces as well. So the first part, uh, the first phrase that I really like was coming out of the, um, the chorus where it's like we would come around and uh, put our hands up outside, uh, facing the audience and hit these bells and then turn around and play this cowbell lick that was like so fun to play. It, it was, for some reason, it was really tough for everybody to get. And the guy who wrote this, he's like, guys, stop playing so many notes. Just play the notes on the music. Now it was this. So it's kind of syncopated, right? Some syncopated eighth notes. Um, but then getting into it, there uh, you would that would play it with the right hand. On the left hand was just this like just very steady, funky kind of groove that let us kind of groove a little bit. So it was like um do 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 ba do 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 ba boom 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 ba boom 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 so put together it's so okay i'm not bobby mcferrin but uh hopefully uh you kind of feel it moving you, you kind of it's moving you forward it's just kind of that 
gets you ready to dance, gets you kind of, all right, you know, kind of have a good time, had a few drinks at the World Showcase, and now I'm going to dance a little bit. So that was the whole purpose, was to have the, uh, have that groove set in so the puppets could dance, could get people out of the crowd, spin around, and then here we would turn around and have to do this cheesy stick click. We'd hold our sticks up in the air, click, 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 and like wave at everybody, and like, oh, hey, I'm having a good time. Um, but then turning around is uh, back, turning around back into the drums is this very meaty 16th note long phrase. Um, see if I can do it. And then you repeat that phrase, so it was like, meanwhile the drums, you know, they continuing to rotate, you're just grooving along, uh, and then going out of that phrase, uh, you get into, uh, we start to get into more of like the artistic and the, uh, things start to kind of get very, uh, uh, very syncopated, so to speak, uh, so to speak. So this part we would uh, have to turn around back to face the crowd and we call this the Superman because you basically had to put your fist up in the air and stick it straight out and, and uh, be very stoic and not move. But here you turn around and this is where we get into that, that uh, triple part I was talking about earlier. Cowbell here, and I love this cowbell part too. The left hand's going. So you see it's kind of, the, the, the feel of the song has changed. You, you've kind of gone from this kind of jumpy dancing to kind of this now rocking back and forth, having a good time. Uh, and then we'd swing back around here to do the Superman pose again. But uh, there was a thing that we used to do called the sack dance. And the sack dance 
was when we'd be facing the audience, either in the Superman pose or playing the hi-hats, that there's some cymbals that were right in front of us that we would play. And we'd kind of kind of groove with our hips. We'd gyrate with our hips, so to speak. And we were wearing nothing but, like, uh, spandex unitards underneath the overcoat that we had. So when we were dancing, things were kind of flying and moving around. <laughs> so we call it the sack dance. Um, so we'd be like, Are you sack dancing tonight? Sack dance! And it was just an inside joke between the drummers, most of the sprites, <laughs> and some of the puppets. Um, just stupid stuff that we would do to, uh, to keep ourselves busy. So if you knew someone who like you're really close with who was a sprite, because the sprite was the first puppet behind most wheels. Sometimes it was the, um, the disc man or the other puppets. But you'd be like, sack dance! And they'd be like, sack dance! <laughs> And this is usually what happened because we would turn here and play the hi-hat lick. So this is what would be. Um, and then back to the Superman. So this uh, this whole phrasing, this whole section is one of my favorite pieces. The other one that I love is what we called the mirror ball section. That's the part of the parade where everything slowed down. It got very dramatic. The lights on the promenade would turn off and these lights on our floats would shoot straight up at this mirror ball and create this really sparkly effect. And while that's happening, the parade totally slows down. The drummers, we start uh, miming like we're drumming in slow motion. The puppets are moving in slow motion. It's just very emotional. Um, music is written in a way that just kind of is just attacks your soul, which is incredibly cheesy, but so true. And this was like the best time for us drummers to like slow mo sack dance so hard. <laughs> People had no idea what we were doing. We were just like kind of, kind of just bumping and grinding. And every once in a while, a show director or show manager would catch us and be like, "Did you just sack dance during the mirror ball?" And I was like, "No, no, not me." But uh, I like this just because of the narration, and this really was the culmination to like what the parade was. The mirror ball section really built to this. Uh, this climax uh, of, of emotion, right? Uh, climax is weird, so noise, but it's <laughs> a weird word. But it really was. It was the climax of the parade, and then from here, it was just kind of the roll back into the rest of the parade and vamping out. And uh, and I loved it so much. I really did. So getting way into this uh, episode, I didn't mean to go this long, uh, but I wanted to let you guys in on some of the things that we heard as performers the stuff that we loved as performers um overall the cast was such an amazing cast we're talking like hundreds of performers uh, over a given uh week you know there were the five day people like me um who did the parade five days a week and then there were the subs that came in 
and even then, we they, we would cross over, and uh, and everybody, for the most part, really knew each other and hung out nonstop. We used to have, um, you know, an hour and fifteen minutes in between parades, and uh, we would go. Sometimes we would have our change of clothes at the the destination the, uh, where we would have the floats and. Clothes would already be over there. We kind of stash them in an extra set so that we could go out on stage in between parades. And we go to like Yakitori House in Japan. We go to Canada. Um, we didn't go ride anything because no one really cared then. But we just walked around. Or there were days where it was too windy on the promenade for the puppets, so they canceled the first run of the parade, and we would just get paid to walk around the park and, and hang out. Um, outside of that, if we stayed backstage. Someone always had a hacky sack, and like all of us played hacky sack. Uh, we went to so many Vista Way parties. We, we the, the drummers used to go to, oh, I can't remember, was it JJ Whispers was another place where um, they had like uh, they had, uh, like amateur boxing where you could just sign up and go fight somebody. Uh, we did that one, one time. The, the sprites and the drummers some of us went to do that and then like a riot broke out or, like a fight broke out and we almost all got into a fight um, so many just de debaucherous things that we did it was some of them we just can't talk about <laughs> but it's just like it is with a with a show and i have said this with the great movie ride um, as well when you are in a performance with a group of very passionate and talented, dedicated performers, you hold something very sacred and you, you hold that together and you become, uh, you become a very close-knit uh, family, so to speak. Uh, and I still keep in touch with a lot of the, my drummer friends and some of the puppets and some of the sprites. Um, because that's just, you know, that's what you do. Uh, it, Tapestry Nations was a, I can honestly say, a life-changing event for me, and uh, for many reasons. One is living my dream as being a drummer at Disney, which I've done a couple different, uh, a couple other performances and, and shows, but not like Tapestry. That was, uh, that was something. That was my first, that was my first gig at Disney, and uh, it was such a well-received parade. We loved it, and. Uh, it was great to look down and see all the people who were just like totally in awe of, of the performance and the music's insane. Uh, Gavin Greenway just really crushed this performance and the cast. Uh, it was very easy to uh, kind of put yourself on a higher pedestal because of the position that you were in and for, for good and bad, uh, I would say I've learned a few lessons from acting like uh, entertainment was the thing uh, especially when I would go back to the movie run and uh, it was just a, it was a whole different scenario with, the, with them still wonderful I, I, you know I always always love the movie run of course just a different different scenario and a different uh, experience anyways I, I really hope you enjoyed this I, I know I went down a pretty musical path and I dissected some things so if you're not into music, this is probably not your episode, but uh, I hope that you enjoyed it. I like to 
I like to be able to, to share some of the musical pieces with um, with people because that's that's really who I am. Music is really uh, is what I'm all about. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was fun reliving this. I can't believe I can still play this solo. I haven't I haven't uh, I play drum set now and again, but I I never uh, I never play this. I just pulled the music out um, from like a old box and uh, practice a couple times and I'm sure it could sound better but but uh, whatever it's been 20 years so anyways guys I hope you enjoyed it uh, I already have a few more podcast episodes I'm getting ready to record so you're going to hear a lot more of me in the near future I apologize again for not uh, being um, as uh, proactive as I could be with, um, with episodes but uh, I'm back I'm back baby doll so Get ready for that. Um, in the meantime, check me out on Twitter, WDW Tales. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Justin underscore Stone 24. Uh, Facebook, WDW Tales. Uh, I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. So uh, thanks again, guys. I hope you enjoyed this. I truly enjoyed this episode. And this was as, uh, as fun as it can get. So, uh, I'll see you next time.